Welcome back to another episode of Step Back Sisterhood. I'm your host for today, Amber Vickers. We have Tara, we have Janelle, we have Britt, and we have a special guest. This guest was our very first guest we ever had on Step Back Sisterhood, and she is back with us today. Talk Kobe's legacy with the WNBA and women's basketball, and just to talk women's basketball in general. Welcome, Leslie. We're so happy to have you. Thank you for having me back, ladies. Now, you talked about Kobe and his legacy. I'm going to ask you a question as a woman that enjoys sports and also enjoys talking about sports. What did Kobe's legacy mean to you? Um, Kobe's legacy meant a lot to me as a huge basketball fan since I was, I can, before I can remember. Um, I was especially tied to Kobe, I think because I was also an Allen Iverson fan. Uh, Allen Iverson was my favorite player of all time. Um, and so they came into the league at the same time. So honestly, it started out as a very much so a hate relationship with Kobe um, because there was just always that it was Kobe fans versus Iverson fans. And that always was how uh, that was presented in those early days for them. So I think a lot of what I remember was just seeing that other person that went up against my favorite player that had that same passion, um, had that same love for the game. Um, I am the, and then a lot of what he ended up becoming later in life um, as a father. Um, I am a daughter of a girl dad. My dad has me and my sister um, and basketball was one of the things that we uh, kind of all did together. And so that was a, a large part of it too in his later years was watching how he was with his daughters as um, specifically how he was with Gianna because of her love for basketball as well. Now, I am a huge WNBA fan. I love the WNBA. I grew up watching it. Grew up wanting to play in the WNBA. And then I got to high school, it kind of fizzled out for me. So there were the WNBA hoodies and the impact. Social media made a huge impact on the WNBA. And Kobe ingratiated himself in the women's basketball. How do you think that impacts other girl dads that are in the NBA? I think that was a huge um, turning point because of the fact that, unfortunately, a lot of people look to men in the sport to validate what's going on with the WNBA and him not only coming to the games, but championing the sport and not just, and I think a lot of it too was, it was because he had a daughter, but a lot of it, once he got into the like watching and being a part of it, he realized like, no, this is great basketball to watch. And when you talk to a lot of players, a lot of players thought the same thing. Um, I even remember when I was in college and I had friends that played basketball, I went to Arizona State and they would tell us, you know, like, no, go watch the women play basketball. Like our women's basketball team was way better than our men's basketball team was uh, for a lot of the time. So I think a lot of the social media area helped when Kobe started basically putting himself out there, knowing that that was helpful. I know he knew that by doing that, by wearing the hoodie, um, by making sure that he was front row with his daughter and uh, talking to the women after the games. He knew that was bringing a spotlight to them. Um, and it wasn't necessarily to show, oh, Kobe is here. It was showing, no, Kobe's here to watch them. 
he's here for them. And I think that was so helpful for the sport um, over this last year and a half. Um, I think we've seen uh, a bit of an explosion in seeing more male athletes talking about women's sports. And that's been so helpful. And I know that was a large lead was because Kobe was doing it. So we, we got to see a lot of that. I was uh, reading up before this talk on some of the ways that Kobe has you know, had an impact on women's basketball. And I think, you know, primarily it was probably one of the reasons he was on to it is because he had daughters and he had a daughter who was extremely interested in it. Um, but, you know, at all these different levels, college level, professional level, high school level, he's always been a supporter. Like it's well documented that he has always supported women's sports. And it kind of got me thinking, like, I wonder how Mamba mentality resonates with with certain people and like maybe like the women that he's working with or the people that he's working with just mama mentality really resonated with him I don't know I was just really I thought it was so interesting that he's consistently you know for so long um made it a point and I was like I wonder if he just really likes working with women because whatever mama mentality is like really <laughs> resonates with with them or something like that. I don't know. What do you, what do you all think mamba mentality means? And um yeah, what do you all think it means? I think it's kind of like that just like killer instinct and I think that uh especially for women's sports, unfortunately, they don't get the money that the men's sports gets. They don't get the recognition that the men's sports get. So I think to be passionate about women's basketball I think it takes a lot more to to really make that decision that's what you're going to do because a lot of them have to play overseas and be away from their family so they like the idea of the bubble was probably not that much of a stretch for them because some of them have to go play overseas for months at a time and not see their family for months so they have a different drive to be successful at this sport that they really love so I think you had a lot more people that had that same passion that he had. And he saw that passion and was like, okay, this is, like you said, the Mamba mentality. She has that Mamba mentality. So I think, you know, these are the types of players that he, you know, even on the men's side of the sport, those are the players that he usually found himself working with in the off season were the players that had that same instinct. And uh, he, he was, they always said he was tough, but he was tough because he wanted to see you have that same passion that he had. And I think that was the thing with the women in sports and, and basketball. You have to love it because it is a grind. Um, a lot of what they have to do going here, playing in the NBA, then going overseas and playing in a different league, being away from your family. So I think they had to have just a different level of passion that just really resonated with him. Janelle, were you going to say something about Mamba mentality? Yeah, I, I was. And I want to relate it to a friend of mine. I have a friend who is a high school basketball coach. Uh, and this, I think, is his second year of coaching women. And he always said that, well, he's saying that it's better to coach women because they absorb more. And me too, I, I am wondering if Kobe really thought that about, you know, women's players, they, they seem to, you know, absorb the lessons that they need to, 
to get, you know, for the game. I, I, I remember, you know, Sabrina Anna school, you know, working with Kobe and they, they really seemed to form that bond. And, you know, I just found that interesting. And yeah, I was going to say, I'd say I'd agree with that probably because they, unfortunately, a lot of men have gone through the ranks of coming up from young age and kind of being the top player wherever they are, nobody really telling them to change their game or to make any adjustments. And then they get to this level in like the NBA and it's like, who are you to tell me that I have to do this other stuff? I've done this and gotten millions of dollars. Why do I need to do anything else? But a lot of the women, they knew, you know, the game is different. So they have to learn how to to do the different things that are going to help them be successful and last in that league and last in this league, last in other leagues. And so I think they probably had, you probably had more of them that had a receptive ear to somebody like a Kobe and not somebody that, you know, a lot of the men ego, you know, and it's like, I'm sorry, you know, like you have the Dwight Howard thing. Like, who are you to tell me? I've been doing this for years and it's worked. I got this contract. I'm here with you. And Kobe's like, no, but I'm successful and I'm trying to show you how to be it. I'm not trying to be hard or be mean. I'm trying to show you what to do to get to that next level. And I think he just didn't understand how other people didn't see that. And so if you don't have that same, you know, receptive ear and are willing to learn and really dig into learning about the sport, I don't think he was interested in, you know, working with you. I have another question as well. I mean, you know, there's a lot of men in the NBA who, who is really, you know, taken to the WNBA and, you know, promoted. And, you know, they also have to wear the orange hoodies or what have you. But what else would it take for the WNBA to get the proper recognition and the proper attention that it deserves? Does it go beyond uh, endorsements from uh, the men? And if so, how, how does that look? Um, that is a good question. I was listening to a podcast yesterday. Um, Stephen A. Smith was on Larry Wilmore's podcast, uh, Black on the Air, and he was discussing that. And his, uh, he said it was a hot take, a controversial take was he believed that um, what it would take is more women promoting it and not women in the sport, but women fans, because his idea was women watch men's basketball. And so if women moved and were making, you know, we're watching women's basketball and women were promoting basketball um, as fans more so, then you may have, you may change that um, because women are 50%, 50, you know, basically it's 50% of the population. So if women are able to watch men's sports, more women should move over watching women's sports as well. Now, of course, there's all the complications of that. I do believe though that I'm not really sure as far as the athletes, what more they can do. They've been, I mean, for years, they've been promoting and saying that women's basketball is just as exciting, just as fun, if not more technical um, to watch than men's basketball can be. A lot of them have gone to games. Um, so I'm not really sure what, what is going to take, at least from them, uh, to do that, I, I think it needs to be more, I mean, of course, more people need to watch. Um, and I think probably just getting more league support. 
um, would be helpful in the NBA support, not on the player levels, but uh, the executive levels, the actual NBA league. Um, they're investing in it. I think they just need to do a better job probably of promoting it, um, making sure that you're aware, hey, when does the season start? You know, um, when do these games, when is it coming up? Because I've been looking, I'm like, wait, when? I have no idea when they start playing basketball again. And so, you know, it just, they make sure that everybody knows when the NBA is coming back. Make sure everybody is aware of what's going on. Um, women, um, the WNBA has gotten a lot of attention because of their ties to politics more recently. So play off of that. See what you can do with that and just promote it a little bit more. I think the most is going to probably have to come on the league end as far as promoting and marketing it more than more so than any of the male athletes doing anything. Yeah. So you were just mentioning about the WNBA and Stephen A. Smith, you know, essentially saying more women need to, you know, watch the game. And I, I personally don't think that's necessarily the um, best take considering that I think a lot of women had been watching the game in the past, although I, I personally don't watch it, but that's because the comments were, um, you know, dissolved and I love the Houston comments and I just sort of fell out of the game after that. But um, I guess just in general, do you think that a lot of what causes people in general to not watch the WNBA is essentially sexism or is it just something beyond that? Um, I think, I mean, unfortunately, I think part of it is, it's just a, and I don't even think it's like an intentional thing. I don't think people want to believe that they are sexist when they don't, um, if they aren't watching it. Um, and a lot of the times I don't, when I have seen people, when I've had people personally, when we go to games, I don't have people saying that, oh, that game's not as good or it's not as exciting. Most people see it and it's like, oh, it was great. But I just think most people naturally don't think that it's as interesting or don't think it's, you know, they're not dunking. That's, you know, a big thing. They're not as athletic. So all those things that are sexist, um, no one really thinks that that's what they're saying. Um, so I, I think, of course, that's, that's the major reason why is because people don't really pay it attention because they think that it's not going to be as exciting as watching a men's basketball game. They don't. And then a lot of them haven't watched, so they don't know that it is exciting. Um, I think, like I said, if you get the league promoting it more, you'll probably get more people finding out that, oh, wait, this is a really awesome game to watch. Uh, but they're just not naturally they just don't believe that it's going to be as interesting. And yes, that is rooted in mostly sexism. But isn't it fair to say that, you know, women not dunking is a cop out, especially with some of the men that people like to follow isn't really known for the dunking. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes, yeah, it's, it's definitely a cop out. It's definitely people saying, oh, well, they're not as athletic. But then when you're watching it, if I mean, you have some players that they they can do great dunks, but are they actually scoring in the game? And like you said, most of the time in the game, you're not watching a ton. Of, there's not a ton of dunks. Even now in this, in the, the current iteration of the NBA, there's not a ton of dunking. You get a lot of, you know, 
three pointers. You're getting a lot of, I mean, and the WNBA, they can do that. So, I mean, I think it's a, it's, yeah, it's an excuse. It's a, it's something that people have said for years and it's just something people keep saying without actually paying attention um, and, and really watching the game to, to make a decision for themselves. They're just saying, oh, well, they don't do this. They're not as athletic. Well, have you watched the game? Do you see what they do? If you don't, then you can't really say that because you don't know what they're doing or not doing. For me, you know, when they put the women, the WNBA women in the 2K games, my homeboys got excited. They were like, oh my goodness, like I can play with Candace Parker. I can play with Asia Wilson. I can play with Sue Bird. Like they play, love playing with the WNBA women in 2K. So what kind of impact do you think that's had on, you know, just basketball in general? And I think that um, 2K did a great job of doing that and helping with their promotion. I wonder if the WNBA has something to do with that or was it just, okay, we need to integrate women because they have their own league. But if they made a women's video game, of course, a lot of people wouldn't buy like they buy 2K. So just integrating those players, what kind of impact do you think that's had on NBA players in general? Because now they can play with people that they go watch. I think that's been awesome for the WNBA because basketball is probably one of the, I'd say maybe even soccer might be another one, few sports where a direct, um, they can play. I think if they played each other, you would not have as much of a fall off as people think that you would have between men and women. Um, actually, tennis is probably another one. Um, but so I think when you see the women playing in the game, then you go, okay, well, this is just like if you're playing basketball at home or you're playing basketball on a local court, women are playing. Like you have, you know, you have that local um, woman, that local girl in your crew that people, everybody knew she was just as good as everybody else and she could get out there and play. Um, she played in the, you know, played at the Y. You know, I, me and my, one of my best friends when I was in elementary school, that was like our thing too. We were. Um, some of the first girls to actually play in um, the Inglewood YMCA league because we just were determined that we're going to, we're not playing for the girls team. We were going to play for the boys teams. So I think when people see the women playing, then you see kind of a direct correlation of, okay, this is how they stack up to men. So if they can stack up to men and they can be in this same game, why would I think if I'm watching them play by, you know, if they're playing the WNBA, why would I think that they're not going to be just as good as they were uh, playing against the men? So I think it's helpful. It um, just like everything else, it normalizes it. It just makes it look like this is what you're supposed to do. Women are supposed to be able to play the game just like men are supposed to be able to play the game. Yeah. Um, a couple of summers ago, I had a thought process of like one of the marketing techniques they could use is during the, you know, the summer league when we can actually have a summer league um, because, um, you know, because of the pandemic, they haven't really had been able to do that. Um, they could promote, uh, you know, a lot of folks are now going to the summer league mo more often. And during that time, the WNBA is typically playing and it would be nice if the NBA could market that by like, Hey, you buy tickets to summer league games, you get a free ticket to the, um, 
to the Las Vegas Aces who are playing at the same time and sort of promote in a way where they are getting folks to go to those games at a relatively decent price um, and promoting the women's game at the same time. Um, do you know, or I guess, have you, have you thought about any other like marketing techniques that the league could, or the WNBA could potentially do, um, you know, besides like 2K, which we just mentioned that they could, you know, allow them to get more into the NBA market? I do think cross promotion with the NBA is probably going to be the most helpful because the NBA is everywhere. Like you see the NBA all over the place and every NBA city has a, you know, for the most part has a WNBA team. So the WNBA is where the NBA is at. They're in a local market, um, even if it's not a direct city. So what you could do is just cross promote. So use that, you know, having, uh, the NBA players, when they come in and watching the games, use that as some cross promotion. Um, like you said, using uh, the summer league when you're playing in Vegas, because Vegas has a great team. And if you're out there watching summer league, which I mean, it's not, it's not important basketball, um, but it's not doing any, you're not winning anything in the sense of this isn't a, you know, league championship. So while they're out there, why don't you, you know, play some of those games and have those games broadcast after summer league games are over. So you have summer league games earlier in the day, you have a WNBA game in the evening, or you have the WNBA game, but doing some cross promotion between um, the league is there to help and you should, they should use themselves more to cross promote with, for the WNBA, because that is Honestly, I think the biggest thing that they're going to need is to actually have more promotion of the league. I remember when the Sparks came out here and that was like a huge thing. Like my Girl Scout team went and um, like I said, the Inglewood Y that I went to that we all went out and watched games. One of my best friends, her family had uh, season tickets. So we would go a lot. Um, but if you're, but it was promoted, like the sparks were heavily promoted out here when it first, when they first came out here. So I think you have to just keep up that promotion, um, just showing what they do and how awesome the game is. And I think when you do that, that's where you're going to start getting that steady, steady rise in viewership and steady rise in season ticket holders, people coming out to the game. I think it's gotta be hard to figure out who they're supposed to be marketing to. You know, just because there's like so many different ways it could go. Like I've been to WNBA games in Seattle and my thought about those games that I attended were like, this is so wholesome. Like it was like the nicest family fun, you know, like between the dancing and they had this part where um, they like rang a bell and like all the kids who wanted to could go down and run down on the court and run around in circles and then run back up into the stands. And I was like, this is like such wonderful family fun but does family fun make enough money to sustain the WNBA and then also like our I think there's definitely a lot of crossover between people who like the NBA and who like good family fun but I don't know you know like how who what's the best way do they do they invest their marketing dollars uh I don't know I just had that thought um, I think, I mean, I totally understand. Cause like you said, I've, I've gone to those. And a lot of times when I first went, that's, I was that age where, you know, <laughs> the kids get to come and run out on the court and play. Um, and that's awesome. 
Um, but I think it, there, there has to be a way of figuring out how to do both because the NBA does. Because lots of families take their kids to NBA games, me included. My husband has a thing of making sure to take our kids to at least one Clippers game, one Lakers game every season. Um, and so he'll take it him and one of his guy friends. They go, they take the kids, they get... And that's, you know, that's their fun to do with the boys. And our kids were at the last time they did, it was like four and two. So that's fun. That's wholesome fun. But, you know, I I understand that that's kind of been the main market for the WNBA. There has to be, they have to just find that way to market it as, yes, this is wholesome fun. But yes, this is also for diehard, um, you know, like true basketball fans because basketball fans need to you know want to watch this too so I think that it's just going to have to come up with that that strategy that loops in hard you know like basketball fans and you know still caters to families because like I said the NBA doesn't necessarily market themselves truly it's not upfront marketing as a family fun atmosphere but you can definitely tell the difference between the NFL and the NBA I would never take my kids to an NFL game, but I will definitely take my kids to NBA game. So there's there's a difference and there's just, finding that balance will definitely be something that they need to do. Yeah, and honestly, one of the things that um, has me watching the NBA more is A, like you were addressing earlier about just being able to know where to find it and like having the NBA or the WNBA bubble and the NBA bubble like kind of happening at the same time made it super easy and them actually like playing games on the networks that were easy to find was amazing. Um, But the other thing that keeps me coming back to the WNBA is just the way that these women are such amazing people and the way that they're on the forefront of so much of the social justice movement and the way they have been for so long it's just been really educational for me to like learn their stories and learn things that they've done and why they're doing it i mean look what they did in georgia um and (laughs) it's just that's not the first time that they have done amazing things so uh, maybe you could i don't know if that's like a a thing you can market about the league, but it's certainly something that's incredibly important to their identity that um, really has drawn me in anyway. That is a good question. Yeah. How can you market that big of part of the WNBA? That's, a, that's about the essence because they always have been on the forefront of social justice. How can they market that without it being off-putting? That's the key. Or is there no way to get around it? I think you can. I, it, it, you have to find, an or, of course, an organic way to do it. Um, because, of course, um, the men have taken advantage of that. Because the, the NBA is definitely known as probably the more socially conscious of the leagues, um, of the male sports leagues. So I think... You have sports fans that, NBA fans that either do one of two things. They completely ignore the social justice side of things and just go, I like watching basketball. So I'm not going to pay attention to these things that may I may not care about or I personally don't agree with them, but I like watching LeBron, so I'm going to just keep watching. Um, and then you have people that are actually drawn to the fact that the NBA is – you know, more socially conscious than the NFL, even the MLB. So 
there has to be a way of finding that fine line. I think, I mean, just like anything else is going to come down to the talent and the WNBA has it. So once people see that, um, then you'll get to a point where it's a helpful tool where it needs to be helpful. And then it's not something that pushes people away. Um, and it's, not fair to have to tell somebody that your politics, your beliefs, your soul, your beliefs, and not even just your politics, but your beliefs and how things should work, you know, for humanity um, should be something that you gotta, you've got to watch out and make sure it doesn't offend somebody. But um, that's just another one of those fine lines that they have to walk. But I think it's something that they do have to actually promote because it's something that is actually it's something that is, like you said, the essence. That's what makes them them. That's what makes what they did this summer so amazing. You know, Raphael Warnock was nine, I think at like 9% before they came out um, in favor of him over Kelly Loeffler and then he ended up winning. So, um, and that was largely because of the WNBA, um, the Atlanta Dream coming out with their shirts that said vote for Raphael Warnock. I mean, and, and it was something as simple as that. So uh, it has to be there. It has to be a part of it because that is who they are. And to market it without it is to deny what they're doing and who they are. So there has to be a way to find it, to make sure to be able to use it, um, to help promote because they're, they're amazing. And it, this is, you know, stuff that they're doing is amazing and they should be celebrated for it. You shouldn't try to hide it or push it, you know, not promote it. Uh, yeah. Let I me mean, ask, oh, oh, go ahead. No, you go. Okay. You, okay. It, you might have a similar question, but I, I want to know this. Do you think that women's women in general, I'll just say women in general, this is a women's show. Do you think women in general get enough credit for what they do? Let's say, we'll say fan-wise and sports-wise. Do you think women athletes get enough credit for what they do? Do you think women in general get enough credit for what they do? Um, athletes? No, not at all. <laughs> um, uh, you have women that, you know, like Serena Williams, you know, women have to, a lot of them have babies and come around and turn around and are back at the top of their game and like the best in the entire world in the entire history of whatever sport they're playing. Um, so I think it too many people just treat it as regular as someone who's had a baby that is not regular and coming back after having a baby is just not the easiest thing to do. Um, so I do think that because, you know, like that's, oh, you know, that's something that women do. So sometimes the things that women do in sports are not celebrated the way that they should be. And I do believe that comes from, in general, the things that women do are not celebrated. Um, it's expected, you know, for women to do certain things. It's expected for women to be like nurturers. So if you're a nurturing person, then it's kind of like, oh, that's what you do. Then you have, you know, a dad doing the same thing. And it's like, oh my gosh, he's the most amazing dad ever. And you're like, I, I did the exact same thing yesterday. Um, so I think that's a large part is just that we, that a lot of the things women do are taken for granted that that's what women do. So they are not celebrated. Um, and then, 
Um, if women do something that could be seen as just as good as men, then they're seen as an anomaly. And then it doesn't, it's almost like, well, they're superhuman. It's, this is so much more than just being a woman. They're almost like a man, how much they can do this. And it's like, no, they're just really good at what they do. I can tell you that I get annoyed. I'll let Tara go. I'm going I'm to say this. I get annoyed when, and I don't know if I should. The first question that people ask me is, do you have kids? Like, it's not, are you married? It's not, you know, what do you want your career goals to be? It's mainly my customers before they got to know me. Do you have kids? I know you have. They automatically assume that I have kids. Or they automatically assume that, oh, how do I say this? in a sensitive way. Oh, it's the show, who cares? Um, they automatically assume because I'm a black woman, I'm a single parent. You know, like the first thing out of your mouth shouldn't be, do you have kids? I don't like that question. I've talked to, I'll talk to my cousin about that because she doesn't have kids either. And I'm 33 and I don't have children. Um, it's just cause I choose, I mean, I, I'm more career oriented than I am family oriented. Yeah. I never pictured myself having a family. I've never pictured that for myself. And people say, well, God might bring that into your life. But I know this is kind of off topic, but I just wanted to, wanted to say that, that it annoys me at times that, you know, that's the first thing that comes out of your mouth. It's not, what do you do for a career? Or you have a career in sports. Oh, I didn't know you knew sports. And I know more than he does, like my boss now. He's, you know, we're talking football and he's looking at me crazy. And I'm looking at him like, do you not know what that is? And, you know, and, Oh, I didn't know you knew about sports and da 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 da. Is that what you want to do? And I'm like, yeah, you don't want to have a family? No, it's not really what I'm thinking about right now. I'm thinking about taking my career to the next level. And I know that's probably hmm, not the most popular thing for people, but that's just who I am. Maybe I'm different because I'm thinking, okay, I want my career more than I want a family. But that's just me. I just had to get that out the way. But go ahead, Tara. <laughs> This is a safe space, Amber. <laughs> I know, I know, right. I know. I, know. I feel the same way too. I, I get it, Amber. <laughs> I, yeah. I understand. They, they do that to me too sometimes. Yeah, I just want to say that because people think that you're automatically just supposed to have a fam or have kids and no family or you're supposed to automatically want a husband and kids. And that's not what I, I've never wanted that. Some people have wanted that and have that. Some people got that unexpectedly, you know. Um, some people are like, man, I, I found somebody, I married them and we had a family and I wasn't expecting that. And then you have people like me and, you know, Janelle, I'm probably in a small percentage of women because I know a lot of women want to have families and things like that. But I just felt like I just wanted to get that off my chest, ladies. That's all. <laughs> I, I, I understand that. Um, I, I, and I'm, I've always wanted kids. I love kids I've always envisioned having kids but I also always envisioned having a career and so I've always just made sure that whatever I did I could still do both if I wanted to because those were both important to me um and um so that's like like one of the last place I worked I worked for an agency um and that was one of the things people would be shocked that I had, and so in that setting, people were shocked that I had a career and still had kids. It's mm -hmm. like, so you're 35, you have three kids? 
and you're still working i'm like yeah i want to yeah. like i like doing this like and i know this stuff i'm not gonna so a lot of people see women as having to have either or um it's weird if you want to do both or if you're trying to do both um so yeah so i even got that where people were like so you're still trying to work on this sports thing and you've got like three kids at home yeah because i want my kids to see that I can still have a career, anything that they want to do, especially when I had a daughter. I don't want her to feel like that she's limited to only certain types of jobs, only being able to do certain things. And then once she had kids, then, well, it's all down here for me or you can't do if you had any other aspirational goals about, you know, any career. I don't know what to tell you because you've lost all that ability. Don't get me wrong. It is a lot more difficult uh, doing it, but it's what I want. So I'm going to still go after it and I still work on it um, because of that, because I want my kids to see me doing that. I want them to know that I'm fulfilled um, and I don't want them, you know, I don't want to ever feel like they stop me from having what I want. I don't want to indirectly, you know, be upset that I had kids instead of doing, you know, something. So. I, I completely understand my sister. My sister's name is also Amber, actually. Um, and she is also 33. Um, she oh, wow. does not have kids. And she is much more career-oriented. She is working. She's an architect. And she says that happens to her all the time, too. People are like, oh, so your sister has kids. So do you have any kids? She's like, no, I'm trying to be an architect. I'm trying to get licensed. Do you know how much time that takes? I don't have to, I, like, I, I have my nieces and nephews. That's enough. Yep. Um, so, yeah, so I totally understand. Honestly, I just think people... I don't want to say people hate women, but it seems people like don't it. like letting women have the choices that they want to have. No matter what your choices are, somebody's going to hate your choice. So mm-hmm. kind of how it is. It doesn't and that, matter. And really, I put that on, I put that on Twitter. Like, why does the world not like women? Like, it's just, it's something about women that the world just does not like. And everyone came from a woman. Like that's my belief system anyway. I don't know what everybody else believes, but that's my belief system. Now, if you believe something else, God, God bless your soul. But I don't know. Yeah, what you think? My my belief system is if everybody has come from a woman, right? Why are we the most disrespected, hated? Why Why do we get treated the way that we do? I, I just don't get it. I don't understand it. And it happens in all walks of life. Sports really, 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 really in the sports industry. And you just see it every day. At work, I hear at least one sexist thing every single day. I know I'm in a male-dominated field delivering mail, but you hear it and you see it every day. And, And I think to myself, like, if I got you on the basketball court right now, it's over with. You know what I mean? Like, it's over with. That's what I think in my head, like, or I can sling a football. I remember I used to be able to sling a football 60 yards. I just think things like that in my head. Like if I got you in an element where you're supposed to dominate, I would kill you. And I think about stuff like that. And I know I'm probably not supposed to, but it goes back to that. Like I go back to certain things in my head and there's a lot of things I could say at work, but I just don't say them because I want to remain professional. But I hear at least one sexist thing at work every single day. At least one. And it's sad. And I can just see your face think, looking at him going, and you came from a woman. <laughs> yes. I just, <laughs> I for the life of me do not understand why the world feels the way it feels about women. 
when your your mother is a woman like you came from your mother's womb like how do you not uh, it just it annoys me but you know i digress well it really shows up anytime on twitter you bring up the WNBA. like there's people whose yes. opinions you didn't need at all weighing in on like there's some amazing women out there promoting the WNBA on twitter and you know like clockwork you can always count on people like who have no business just running in there to say something insulting or something terrible and it's like they sit there and they like wait for it to happen so they can pounce and say their thing um but that wasn't my question my my question that is kind of related i think to maybe to what we've been talking about is um I'm wondering in particular ways that the WNBA, this whole last year has opened my eyes to a lot of things, no giant surprise. Um, and I'm always looking for ways to be better. What are ways that the WNBA supports black women in particular? Because there's, you know, so many athletes are black and clearly the Breonna Taylor situation just really resonated with them. Are there, ways in particular that you see that WNBA fans of the WNBA business behind the WNBA either does a good job or doesn't good job doesn't do a good job of supporting black women. Um I personally think that they do a pretty good job uh especially as a sports league which I mean you know most of this is making money. Um so that's kind of what your number one focus is. But um for the fact that especially in more recent years, because there have been issues that they've they've had to tackle before. Um, overall, I've seen them do a pretty good job of not censoring um, women. So we've seen recently with the Atlanta Dream, uh, that was a huge thing. They were allowed to talk about the issues that were important to them, but they weren't the first team to do, you know, to do that. The Lynx had done that before um, when there were issues up in Minnesota. Um, you know, they, this isn't, they're not new to it. And because they've been allowed to speak up and um, more recently haven't been censored on issues, I think it's been helpful. I think they, um, of course, the women in the league, just like anywhere else, they're the ones who pushed um, for that. So they kept doing even when other people were talking about them, even when um, they could have gotten chastised by their organizations, they could have gotten chastised by the league. They continue to do it and showed that we're going to do it and not just do it one, you know, as individuals. They did it as, as united front. They did it as whole teams. And then when one team was, you know, receiving, had issues because I believe that was the links when the Minneapolis police department kind of got in a little uh, got upset and I believe they said they were going to stop doing like security for them so then other teams in the league went okay so we're all going to do this so more teams start coming so they had each other's back and because they did then the league had their back um, and they just they saw the money was in doing that the money for them was in allowing them to you know talk about the things that were important and I believe that it's helpful for women you see Black women of different, you know, backgrounds. You see women that um, not everybody looks the same. Not everyone has the same sorts of beliefs. Um, so you see a difference. You may have, you know, some of the girls that, you know, they're considered more tomboyish or some of the girls that are like, you know, you see them out of their, you know, uniforms and they're like, 
models and they're, you know, super. So I believe it's helpful because you see all different, you see different aspects of women as athletes. Women as athletes aren't a monolith. Black women as athletes aren't a monolith. Um, As somebody that, you know, I played sports, I played basketball, I played volleyball, I played, I ran track. So I've seen, you know, the gamut of different types of women in sports. And I believe that that's one good thing that I see in the WNBA. It normalizes Black women as whole and different and, you know, just human beings that, you know, they're unique and they have their uniqueness, but they also can all get out there and ball and, um, you know, make an interesting game for you to watch. I, like I mentioned at the beginning of the show, I used to follow the WNBA a lot. I was a huge fan of the Houston Comets and when they, you know, they were the first team to go back to back to back. I know the, I think it's the Lynx who have done that since and have won, or back to back to back to back, in fact. Um, but now they have been folded for more than a decade, probably closer to two de- decades at this point, unfortunately. And it's probably worth me trying to move on from the um, comments and maybe go into, you know, maybe find another, um, you know, maybe player or even a team to sort of follow. Um, what for someone who, you know, e- either has never been a WNBA fan or would like to get back into it um, because of various reasons, what, what makes the WNBA fun to watch for you? They're good. <laughs> No, I mean, it to me, it's the, they're really, they're very, they're very good. It's, it's a good game to watch. It's not a, the idea that women aren't, the women in the WNBA are not athletic, that all they do is like, you know, set up jumpers and stuff like that. It's a, it's an exciting game to watch. It's an interesting game to watch. It's not as much. Um, Because I know one thing to me personally in college basketball, women's college basketball, I think an issue that can be had with women's college basketball is that you do have a great fall off between the good teams or really good teams and then some of the teams that are below. And that's just because of a parity issue that you're not going to get in college because of funding and all that kind of stuff. But I believe in the WNBA, you don't have that. You, I mean, just like anything else you have great teams across the board um I believe early on you had you know a couple of the same teams were kind of winning back to back um but now you're having a lot you have a lot more parity between the teams I know they shrunk the league a little bit um and when they did that I think it allowed for each team I think it allowed more parity for teams um and I think that right now it's just it, it honestly is some of the best basketballs to watch they're technically sound. Um, I think what we talked about, about making sure they, you know, make sure they, their fundamentals are set before they start doing some of the extras that some men um, kind of are taught to do at like 12. Um, they, you know, learn the fundamentals of the game and then they, you know, they can add their razzle dazzle, their, you know, extra sauce to it. But um, it's just a technically sound, it's an exciting game to watch. They're fun. They have, you know, lots of different stuff that's going on in the game that you see in the NBA, but people don't like, for some reason, people don't talk about it the same way. I've often wondered if, or not often, I just wondered, um, 
if maybe that's why Kobe liked women's sports so much because of the the technical foundation and he was such a perfectionist about things like that that um because it's just so competitive to you know how like to even get into the WNBA it's the best of the best of the best of the best there's so few slots that they all have to be so technically sound and technically proficient if they want to even have a hope to get there I was I kind of wonder if maybe that is part of what he uh, respected about that game so much. Yeah, and I think as um like when you're scouting, probably I would say scouting too for the WNBA is a lot different than the NBA. The NBA, I think you can take more chances on picks. You can say, eh, you know, I'll see how this player works out. Um, I think for the WNBA, like you said, there's so few slots. Um, in comparison, I think you do have to be great great before you can you know even get onto that court and really play so when you're watching their teams are whole teams they're teams that from top to bottom can do so much um and I think like I said you're seeing a lot more parity in the league now so I think you're seeing different teams that you didn't know like Vegas the aces are amazing to watch um so I think you're seeing a lot more teams that are really good teams and solid teams I talked it? about on. Oh, I'm sorry. No, okay. go ahead, Amber. I got I got one more question. Well, one more thing because I watch. I'm watching Texas A&M and Georgia go at it right now. Women's basketball. I talked about this on my show that you know NCAA for men's. When you go to the tournament, right, you don't know who can win any given night because the parity in men's game is different, and in college, women's college basketball, the parity is just not the same. Um in my opinion, because if you get a, let's say a South Dakota state plays a Baylor, you know, that Baylor is going to blow that team out. Right. But if you get a South Dakota state against, well, Baylor's men's team this year is probably a notch ahead. Let's say if you get South Dakota state uh, men's and Duke men's team this year, you don't know who wins that game. Um, And there's only what 15, I think 12 roster spots on the WNBA team. I think 12 to 13. Cause I've had some friends that, the Tulsa shock when they had their WNBA team in Oklahoma, my friends was like, you should go down there and try out and go to Tulsa. I'm like, no, I'm okay. Because um, I know the WNBA is a business. And I had a friend, she went to go try for Tulsa shock. And she was really good in college. Danielle Gant. She was really, really good in college. She played for Texas A&M. Um, and she didn't make it, but she felt like she was probably the best player at the tryout. And I've heard the WNBA is cutthroat from friends that I've had go try out because they said it's a business, but they don't always choose the best player. Do you, have you heard anybody say that? Do you have any friends that could give you some insight on that or anything like that? I actually have not heard that. That's not something I heard. Um, okay. In, when it's come to the WNBA. Um, now I've heard that in the NBA, yeah. Um, but yeah, I haven't heard that as far as the WNBA. And unfortunately, I don't know anybody that uh, has played in the WNBA or has gotten to that level of the W. You know, to to even try out for the WNBA. Yeah, I heard it was very, very cutthroat and very biased. And I was like, wow, like that was that was interesting for me to to find out. 
because even in college, it's kind of like that in college, like not always depends on who your coach is. Um, yes, you're being recruited, but I don't think at times always the best player always plays. It's just maybe sometimes it's donor related. I've, I've heard that it's donor related and it's really interesting to see how different the men's and women's game is um, just for colleges because University of Oklahoma's women's team was very, very good. We had Courtney and Ashley Paris, um, Dan Robinson, Whitney Hand. They were very, very good. They would actually have more people in the stands than the men's games would because they were so much better. And OU's a football school anyway, but they were so much better than the men. So I just thought I would just, just bring that up from my friends that I've had that have tried out for the association. Are, are we, is that it, ladies? I know Leslie's computer is getting ready to die. Oh. <laughs> it is really about to die because I came to my mom's house to do my son's Zoom call for his birthday. And I realized I did not have my charger. <laughs> my sister has a newer Mac than I have. So she doesn't even have the same one. So I am at 8% right now. <laughs> Leslie, thank you so much for coming on so such short notice. We really appreciate it here at Step Back Sisterhood. Um, go ahead and shout yourself out and we're going to close out the show. All righty. Thank you guys. I really appreciate it. I really enjoy talking to you guys and talking basketball um, when I can. So um, I am on Twitter and Instagram. I finally got my names to match on both. I am Mrs. MRS L Rochelle R-O-C-H-E-L-L-E. You can find me talking all things basketball, sometimes politics, lots of random cultural things that I find going on, uh, some funny memes and gifts every now and then too. Okay, well, that's that's great, guys. So if you guys want to follow Leslie, go ahead and follow Leslie. Not if you want to, go ahead and follow Leslie and follow us at Step Back Sisters on Twitter. And Tara, what is your what is your Twitter handle? I am at T-C-B-B-I-G-G-S. Okay. Janelle, what is your Twitter, hand, Twitter handle? Janelle 12, that is J-A-N-N-E-L-L-E 12. And my IG is writer, Diva. All right, Brittany, go ahead with your social media. Yeah, so I'm at Britt Robotista, since everyone else is spelling it. It's B-R-I-T-R-O-B-O-T-I-S-T-A. <laughs> I have a spelling problem, so you would probably need to spell it out for me if I didn't follow you. <laughs> I am, I really do. I am at simply me underscore AV on Twitter. And that is it for this week's episode. We really enjoyed you guys listening. And when will this be out? What day? Tuesday? Hey. Most likely Tuesday. Most likely Tuesday. Okay, so most likely Tuesday, this episode will be out. And Leslie, thanks again. You're welcome back anytime. She's the OG guest. So she's known as the OG guest because she was our first oh, guest. Thank you. <laughs> okay, I guys. appreciate it. This is so much fun. <laughs> thank you. Thank you right, so thanks, much. Guys.